Hello, my name is Özlem Sarıoğlu and this is The Coaching Program, sponsored by Sparkas, a coaching tech company that optimizes coaching and mentoring solutions for cultural transformation, talent and leadership development within organizations. Welcome to the show. Hello, coaching passionates around the globe. Welcome. You're listening to The Coaching Program, the show that brings you tips and tricks of designing and implementing successful coaching programs within your organization. I'm your host, Özlem Sarıoğlu, a professional coach and co-founder of uh, Sparkos Digital Coaching Platform, which scales meaningful coaching experiences to larger audiences within organizations. In this episode, my guest is Dear Paul Crick, uh, an executive coach who has internal coaching and consultancy experience in organizations like IBM, uh, PwC, Equifax, and Barclays. He's currently a professional development director in EMCC UK. It's lovely to have you here, Paul. Welcome. Thanks for inviting me, Aslam. It's, it's a privilege to be here. Oh, thank you. So I just made a very short intro, uh, but, you know, basically went through maybe a short uh, intro about the resume. But how do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Oh, that's a good question, because it depends who I'm talking to. So I, 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 the short version is uh, I'm a, a marketer by profession. Mm. Um, I'm a student of music and Aikido by passion, but I'm a people builder by obsession. Um, and that's the way I like to do the short version. Uh, there's, yeah. a, there's, there's a very long version that explains how I got there. Um, but because I'm in my mid-50s, yeah, the journey's been quite, uh, quite long, quite interesting, quite fascinating. I've had an opportunity to do all kinds of uh, amazing things uh, for different organizations and clients all over the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we and Paul met in uh, EMCC's uh, circle for internal coaching, and uh, I've always been uh, a fan of uh, his contribution to the to the group. Uh, lots of um, lots of experiences and also lots of different tools uh, that he uses. So uh, it was when I was thinking about a guest list, uh, Paul was an automatic name that came to my mind. Oh my uh, goodness! No pressure then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so when we were discussing about how to run this call today, uh, you were saying that uh, one of your main topics right now, one of your uh, focus areas is sustainable leadership. So can yes, you a little yes. bit talk about uh, what you mean by that? Um, so sustainable leadership means different things to different people because it's um, what I've learned is that it's incredibly complicated mm -hmm. and um, different in, in, different industries have, are at different states of maturity, face different levels of complexity and issues, mm -hmm. and they're all interwoven and unpicking them isn't as simple as I originally thought it was. Well, mm -hmm. just get a bunch of people in a room and tell them to stop or tell them to do something mm -hmm. different. It, it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, that isn't an excuse not to do anything, um, but it is an excuse to take a sort of pragmatic and realistic approach because if you're passionate about this, and I know there's lots of people are, then there is a danger of becoming, being perceived as overzealous, mm -hmm. um, as, as someone that's very enthusiastic, but is sort of kind of preaching and shoving mm -hmm. messages and, uh, and basically putting a lot of people off and, and you can't 
you can't take that approach with sustainable leadership. So you know, leadership doesn't change, but there's, there's, some, there's some additional things that sit around it um, that are sort of woven through it. Um, so more of a, you know, if you're looking at sustainability and sustainable leadership, you're looking at um, a system perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think coaching anyway is moving to, even in one-to-one -one coaching, yeah. is moving to a much more systemic understanding of what's happening out there that's causing this in here, whether that's a term, whether that's a team or it's an individual. Uh, so I think that's important. I think emotional intelligence would be a label that people would use to say, well, that's important. I'd advocate some care over emotional intelligence because mm -hmm. what we talk about in terms of emotional intelligence has got some important flaws. So I'm not saying throw it out, throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, we can't use emotional intelligence, but we need to really understand what that is. And there are some gaps that need to be closed. But the basic principles of you need to be emotionally intelligent, you don't need to be dictating, you don't need to be authoritative. Um, you, you know, it's not my way or the highway. Because, because one of the other things is you actually need to be inclusive. Yeah. You need to have perspectives from all around the table to say, well, where do you sit on this? And because you're dealing with an ecosystem that is much more complex, then you can't just go and dictate to the supply chain and say, right, you, know, you need to do this and you need to do that. You need to encourage and you need to sort of stand in other people's shoes before you can then come to a point that says, okay, well, if the answer is no, what's the wisdom in the no that helps us understand and get to a better answer? Um, you then need a compelling vision, which um, again, as you'll know from your coaching practice, the, the danger is, is you can have an aspiration that's massive. You know, it's kind of like, I want world peace, or you know, I want to remove all the plastic for <laughs> single-use plastic, excuse me. Uh, if only it were that easy. Um, so there's a need for a balance between aspiration and action um, mm -hmm. and to have a plan. Otherwise, it just becomes a dream. Um, but that needs to be compelling. You know, you need to root it in the so what, what's in it, what are the consequences? Um, because because nebulous concepts like, so I talk about being better ancestors to future generations. Well, what does that mean? Mm. Um, it's difficult to understand for some people. And you actually have to go and meet people where they are to say, okay, well, where are we? And what's the baseline? And, you know, if we're looking at various things. Then we need to look at sort of innovative approaches because... Um, whilst it's extremely well worn as a phrase, you know, the idea that the thinking that's got us here isn't the thinking that's going to get us out of here is, is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and then the, I guess the, 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 the final thing I'd add is, is you need a longer term perspective because things are, you know, much as we want to dis divest from fossil fuels, you know, you can't switch that off overnight. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and, but you need a plan to sort of, figure out how do we reduce our reliance on that? And what do we do with all the people that are working in that industry? And what do we do with all the equipment that's been used there? You know, how do we how do we decommission that in a way that's safe, in a way that's environmentally uh, sustainable? So if you ask me what sustainable leadership is, you know, it's, it, um, I, I mean, I have a specific view about leadership, which isn't right or wrong, it's just my view. That says leadership is uh, we we confuse leadership with leading or being being a leader, mm -hmm. and to me it's about the quality of the conversation you have first of all with yourself, mm -hmm. and then secondly the ability to then have a quality conversation with other people. 
which is the leadership practice. Um, and, and I think sustainable leadership is around starting that conversation to be more conscious and mindful of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, um, we've got a, you know, we've got several elephants in the room. One is overpopulation of the planet. Mm -hmm. um, we're overusing resources in certain sectors and not replacing them. The planet can't yeah. re reproduce them. Um, and, and that's difficult. And it's very easy to, to sort of have an, an ostrich mentality to go, oh, that's too hard and stick our head in the ground. But okay. I think it's fair to say, and I know in your part of the world and certainly in our part of the world, um, people are people are realizing that the climate crisis isn't going to happen in 2030. It's happening now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, the planet is on fire, uh, water levels are rising, temperature is rising, and that has consequences. It actually, the real fires are happening and real yes. floods are happening, already started happening. The, what well, we, were, we, we were told that it would happen, have been happening, mm -hmm. yeah. And there comes a point where you say, okay, at what point do you stop standing by mm -hmm. and saying, we now need to do something yeah. different? And I appreciate it's hard. And I appreciate, it's not, I appreciate it's not easy. But leadership is a contact sport. Leadership isn't about hierarchy. Leadership is about conversation and context. And it's about generating, and it's a collective effort. Um, and, and I don't think necessarily we've quite got our head around, head around that, but we're starting to have those conversations, which obviously is very encouraging. Yeah. And. The, the, the challenge is, is you look at it and you say, well, what can I do? You know, you almost get to a point where, oh, it's hopeless. What can I do? You know, I can't stop the fires in wherever or floods rising. But actually, if you can, sorry, my dog's doing one. No, no problem at all. We are so much used to, I think, uh, hearing dogs, children, cats in front of the She's... screens. That's... She tries to kill the tries to kill the postman every day and and hasn't learned yet that it's just not possible. <laughs> well, talking talking about sustainability and you know connection with the nature and everything, so it's part of our world. So I think it's it just... is part of our world. So I yeah. think um, you have to look at what it is you can influence, and very yeah. often you can do some very simple things. You know, just just changing the light bulbs, being conscious about what you're buying and where you're buying it from and where the goods have come from. And can you source things from within a 20 mile radius of your home? Mm -hmm. Can you source half the things? You know, Cause you won't be able to source them all necessarily. Can you support local businesses instead of supporting larger brands who may not necessarily have actually committed fully? You know, they'll, 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 they'll greenwash, they'll say things, which is nice. But they won't necessarily, or there's conflicting messages. Um, on the one hand, we're doing this, but on the other hand, we're doing this. Uh, and there's a conflict because one's good and one's not so good. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's where we are. And then it's a long answer to a short question, but that's, that's a view of sustainable leadership. I don't know how useful that is. I especially loud the way you described it in the uh, systemic context, because when uh, the conversation is around leadership, uh, it's generally around the individual or in the, you know, the immediate effect that that person has on maybe their team, uh, maybe their company sometimes, but not to the system as a whole. And when we're talking about uh, especially leadership development, most of the time the focus is more about 
individuals one by one. And uh, I think we need mm. another approach to leadership and the way you're describing, like it is interdependent. The leadership, uh, you know, affects these system and the system affects the individual so that that whole thing uh you know looking from that um larger perspective i think is uh very important and um something that is most of the time missed a lot i think it's the only way we're going to solve this um is my honest view there's a reason the saying goes you know it takes a village to raise a child yeah Uh, and an indigenous cultures and I'm not I'm not saying they're perfect or the ideal but that collectivism that collective approach um, I, I was listening to an interview that said you know if you have a team and, and you're Superman don't try and be Wonder Woman <laughs> go and find Wonder Woman and get get them on the team yeah. and cultivate that and say you're both brilliant at what you do but don't try and cross over just and that's you know that's not limiting what people can do individually it's it's saying you both contribute to something bigger. And we need to, in, in my humble opinion, get, get to this greater selflessness. And, 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 and that's where we may have lost sight recently uh, of what this whole leadership thing is. Yeah. Uh, so I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And for both of us being coaches, how do you relate coaching to this subject? Well, f- <sighs> It, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you'll coach teams, uh, which is which is one thing, and that's not about building teams. That's about looking at team performance and mm-hmm. you know what's the spirit of the team, and what's the purpose of the team and the vision. And do people have a story that they can identify with that team that says, "Ah, oh, I can see myself in there," mm-hmm. and that helps me commit. How do we create real psychological safety and not talk about it? But how how do you do that? Um, how do you know that if you and I were in a team, how would I actually know that you had my back mm-hmm. um, and that I could say things and, and that it would be okay to explore your no and my no mm-hmm. to something and for that to be completely safe, um, to arrive at a more constructive and more creative solution um, that perhaps either of us could come up with. So I think, I think there's, there's that part of it. You know, coaching's about, I think, is about being present and witnessing the struggle and then providing the environment for that struggle to emerge, to arrive um, at the, the consensus view of, right, that's that's what we agree we're going to do and, and that's it. And that can be really simple as, you know, well, how are we going to treat timekeeping? You know, in, in, in my last job, our, our team was horrendous. You know, our culture was, it's okay to show up 15 minutes late and wander into the meeting and, you know, sit down and fiddle with your phone and this, that and the other. Um, yeah, and, and you listen, listen to things, but there wasn't the conversation that either pulled people up and said, look, you know, what does time mean to this team? And mm-hmm. have that conversation and say, okay, what's the team playbook? You know, what, how does that become part of the spirit? What's the team story? You know, I, I love the idea of ancestry, this, this idea that we're all connected through time. You know, and, and there is an importance to the people that have gone before us. You know, they've set the path. They've, and it's important we do that. It's a great story, um, told by Owen Eastwood, who wrote wrote, um, uh, wrote a book about belonging. I absolutely recommend it. Uh, he talks about when he was coaching with the English um, football soccer team. Yeah. Um, he went down to Kew Gardens, and he actually 
took the team to see the three lions seal that was used by Richard the Lionheart. So that actually made it real why three lions was important. And that just provided an, an additional hook and an emotional connection to the team. It was like, oh, right, okay. I see the relevance of this. I see what has gone before me to understand that. And then you have your moments in the sun. It's like the New Zealand team, you know, the, the Kiwis, the All Blacks. They talk about, you know, you're given the shirt, but when you give it back, and you have your moments in the sun, but when you give it back, how is that shirt better when you give it back? Mm. How have you made that better? And I love that as an idea, because if we think about it, assuming that we resolve the issues of sustainability and inequality and social justice, or we get closer to it, then what about all the unborn children today? Mm. There are 8 billion people in the world right now, billion with a B. And when they have their children and reproduce, that will increase the population. So what what kind of world do we leave for them? And I think some of us as decision making, there's a, there's a lovely thing called the children's fire uh, that the Native Americans used to use. And they used to make a decision on the basis of thinking about seven generations mm. hence. Mm. Um, and this is why long term perspective, I know we need to do things short term, but long term perspective is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And especially I'm hearing, uh, you know, starting the conversations that we. Yes didn't start maybe, or looking at areas that we didn't look before, uh, you know, just just by just even asking those kind of questions and bringing that, uh, you know, storytelling into the picture, uh, just changing I the mindset. So. And, yeah. And I think taking some simple action, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 um, the pandemic has shown us, has given us a time to pause and think about how we do what we do and why we do mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, sadly, you know, the world works on the basis of money. If you close a supply of money off to someone that isn't doing the right thing by the planet or by a particular group of people, then they will wither and die. And it just requires us more, more of us to do that mm-hmm. and accept that, you know, there is great wisdom in us collaborating together. I'm not advocating... Um, out and out rebellion, but it is really that that conscious thinking about you know where am I, where am I spending my money? Who am I supporting? How am I helping? How am I lifting people? How is that contributing to waste um, or consuming of scarce resources? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The both. Yeah, you're right. Also taking the action into account in that sense, mm. just having that yeah mindset, and knowing that you've. Uh, had several coaching roles in uh, different sizes of organizations. And also now you're in EMCC now, probably seeing more organizations as well. Um, so what, what do you see? Is there a kind of a difference between different sizes of organizations or different stages of those organizations, the way they approach uh, to sustainable leadership or to coaching? What do you see? Um, well, I think in terms of sustainable leadership, everyone's at different places. So you've got the the new organizations, the new startups that mm-hmm. are setting up and they don't have any legacy and, uh, yeah. or, or they don't have um, an overhead that is, is, is difficult to take account of. So they've got a greenfield site and they can go straight. Take someone like Bellu Water, for example, a nonprofit that's providing water, you know, able, to, able to start from, 
a, a, a relatively clean background. But if you were Unilever, you know, there's a whole host of legacy sure. manufacturing systems, uh, supply chains that are complex. Uh, simplifying those and turning those into a lattice as opposed to sort of a one one supply chain. You know, that's that's months and years of work to do that. And they are doing that, which is great to see. Yeah. Um, so I think I think sustainability is it, everyone's at a different point in the journey, different industries in different places. Um, you're seeing um, fashion and in, in, you know, you're seeing labeling now that tries to provide some guidance mm -hmm. that says, you know, how how clean um, a particular product is. I think I think that's helpful to a point as long as we don't get to the point we are with the food labeling that says, you know, well, here's the food labeling and it's actually it 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 hinders more than it helps let's let's be yeah. kind yeah. um so so i think there i think in terms of coaching i think it's clearer and the, and the primary difference i've seen is the difference between internal and external coaching mm -hmm. um the, the internal coaching is interesting because that tends to be more of um in the majority of organizations the side of the desk um activity mm -hmm. um uh, in terms of having full-time internal coaches. Um, you'll see it in Agile teams, um, but you'll see coaching applied in all types of different ways. I mean, when I was at IBM, it was, it was no difference. You'd have sort of the accelerated SVP program, you'd have the large client, um, large, large client managing directors program, you'd have, um, you'd have programs for relatively new entrants into the IX business. So they'd do the boot camp and then they'd sort of have a have an eight, eight week coaching program that would really sort of integrate them into the main rhythm of the business and the ways of working and supporting them through that. Um, so, you know, you'd have the agile, agile coaching yeah. program for um, to support agile teams. So I think you get different flavors of that have a common approach, you know, it's about hold space, be present uh, for the client, uh, challenge, encourage, uh, mm -hmm. use a, an eclectic mix. Uh, again, part of the challenge is, you know, if you're, if you're creating coaches internally as part of their role, then, you know, you need something that allows them to grasp what coaching is quite, quite easily yeah. and, and, some of the, and some of the simpler models. But then you know yourself from your your extensive experience as a, as a professional coach, you know you tend not to rely on a specific process or yeah. a one specific set of tools. You kind of mix and match it depending yeah. on. And you do you do what you and I would call dancing, and most coaches would call dancing in the moment yeah. to go. Okay, yeah. I, this is happening. Oh, this yeah. this yeah. I'm going to use reframing here, or actually, I'm going to go. I'm going to use this here, or, yeah. or we're not even thinking about it. We're we're just literally yeah. responding. We're using questions. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're a new coach, it's kind of like, why am I asking this question? <laughs> why can't I just tell? And if you're, yeah, IBM was very much a, a, a culture of, you know, your value was in knowing the answer. So it's like, well, just tell me the answer, and it's like, okay, that's mentoring. Uh, and that's okay, um, but let's get clear on the understanding and understand that there's a blend of that that happens. Yeah, and, uh, but uh, I think uh, we get too hung up, can't we? Yeah, 
And some co companies, I uh, heard a few times that in our company culture, mentoring works better than coaching. Uh, sometimes it means like we, we basically want to tell people around. So uh, it really depends on what, what organizations mean by mentoring, really. But um, yeah, that's another story. Uh, or it's remedial. You know, someone will say, someone says, will turn up and you say, so, so what would you like to get from coaching? Yeah. I don't know. I was sent here. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What would you like to get from coaching? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, that's a good start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think especially what you said about what, coming back to the main idea of that uh, sustainability and everything, that now we need to uh, discover new approaches, discover new ways of doing things. And mm -hmm. if you're looking for more uh, to ready-made answers... Uh, most of the time it won't serve us uh, in the in this new world that we want to create. So I believe uh, in that respect also, just trusting, you know, trusting the unknown, which is generally part of coaching is very, very relevant. And, and this is where I'm really hopeful, because when you allow that to happen, when you allow that conversation, you will find answers in the room. Mm -hmm. I always talk about the answers yeah. in the room. Yeah if you'll only listen and you'll, if you'll only allow it to, to emerge. Um, I, I remember facilitating one particular team. We were out in, uh, where were we? We were in Munich. And the most creative person in the room was the most technical person in the room. You know, <laughs> the last person you would expect. But the ideas they came up with to, to actually solve the, the issues that were, were on the table at the time of doing the particular workshop we were just brilliant. Everybody bought onto it and built it, and that you could see there was this energy building of like, okay, you know, we've we've got people in the room that actually we didn't think we had, and I think I think that's really important because and and again you're back to the idea of collectivism. You know, if you can open that, and, and I mean the military have been doing this for years. You know, ever, ever since they had to it, the the you know team, team of teams and General McChrystal talks about the nature of of the of the fighting and the warfare actually changing where you needed that team of teams and you didn't have time to do long chains of commands. It was like, who's in the room and how do we solve this? Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, looks like the, the main um, focus needs to be around that. And talking about, you know, different, different sizes of organizations we already mentioned and... I mean, it's always nice to hear about the, you know, the, the best practices and everything. But I'm always more curious about what doesn't work, like when you're establishing something yeah, of that no, sort. I think that's, what? I, yeah, I have a problem with best practices. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, because there's no such thing, in my humble opinion. There's practice that works. There's process yeah. that works. Um, and and there's this difference between doing the process, but doing the process doesn't guarantee the outcome. Yeah, exactly. Because there's because there's so many other factors that, that play in on that. Um, so so what doesn't work is a lack of commitment. What mm. doesn't work is an abdication. You know, give it to HR. That's an HR thing. No, no, no. Yeah. You can't start there and do that. Um, what doesn't work is changing course midstream and going. Mm. Oh well, it, it, it is that unwillingness to stay the course long enough to uh, to use proxy measures rather than I always talk about 
um, the idea that ROI really isn't in the in, in the spreadsheet, not not as a direct correlation between coaching effort result. Um, what we all see is ripples of impact, um, which may be things like we managed to bring a significant deal forward a quarter. You know, it was going to slip, but it didn't. And it was coaching that helped to do that. Mm. You know, but, you know, what was that? Um, but more often than not, you know, I coached one uh, very senior exec. She's, um, she's now a general manager for one of the countries at IBM. Mm. And um, her feedback was, you know, after our session, she, she sent me a quick email and she said, after our session, I, I, uh, my, I wandered into the kitchen and I was singing and my husband noticed that, my husband said to me, I said, oh, what happened to you? I see we've got you back. Yeah, you know, it's and it's it's things like that that make a difference. And if you listen to um, coaches like Mel Morrison, who uh, coaches Olympic swimmers, um, she'll talk about you know it's important that you get the personal stuff sorted first yeah. before you try and get a performance out of out of people. And, Definitely. You know where does that sit in a spreadsheet? It doesn't. And, and I try to stand in the shoes of the CFO or the finance director and say, yes, I know. I know you're investing money. You're going to have to, if you're serious about coaching, you're going to have to invest one way or the other. Either you bring external people in or you, you, you teach people to do that. But you need to commit. Yeah. And you need to understand what that's going to really deliver for you. Mm-hmm. But, but and- don't, don't commit and then, and then go, oh, you know what, that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking that, I mean, talking about IBM and talking about we're living in this uh, digital world, uh, does technology help somehow? Do you yes, somehow benefit from it? Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, not necessarily in doing the dancing in the moment thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different perspectives on that. Um, my view is technology will never replace a sentient being in the ability to hold space for another human being. Uh, not for a good 50 years, I hope, um, because if it can, then we're all slightly um, screwed. <laughs> uh, if, uh, but technology is really helpful in terms of supporting the coaching process, the interaction in terms mm-hmm. of doing high touch contact in between sessions. So that you're not actually using parts of sessions to say, well, how was it? You know, tell me about your week, this, that, and the other. Did you get your dolls done? What, you know, we're really into, so what, what, was, what was the issues? And we're maximizing time. So instead of having, uh, instead of expanding time, we're looking at using the time to best effect. And I think technology absolutely supports that. I think technology is helpful also in terms of if you're, uh, if you're willing to accept proxy measures for mm-hmm. certain, certain KPIs. You know, if, you're, if you've got a, you know, what is it you want to achieve? Oh, I want to feel more confident in my work. Okay, how do we measure that? Well, mm-hmm. if I look in a standard book of KPIs and measures, there isn't one. So what would be a good proxy measure for that? Uh, mm-hmm. And it might be, um, well, how do you feel? Give me a score out of 100, you know, and then measure that either okay. weekly, daily, um, and journal as you go. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a great. Now, technology is fantastic for supporting that. Yeah. Technology is also very helpful to... Um, track certainly in large organisations the extent to which a coaching program is taken up. You know who who showed up, mm-hmm. had a coaching session, and then didn't show up for the for the remaining six that mm-hmm. they've been allocated. You know that that happened that happens a lot. 
because they think the coaching session is one thing. They think it's a one and done thing. Yeah. Um, which comes back to the education of so what is this? You know, this is a journey to, um, and and here it starts to get great because if I said to you, well, I'm, I'm going to help you have greater self mastery. Well, people switch off and they go, I've got plenty of self mastery, thank you. I don't need your help. Um, so it's it's so how do you meet people where they are to then be able to say, okay, well this will this will give you an even stronger connection. It will change the nature, the quality of the conversation you have. So that in those moments when you struggle, you'll actually have more options. In those moments when you want to disengage and go and look at your iPhone because it's perhaps a bit difficult or it's boring, you know, you'll be able to stay with the conversation. In those moments when... Yeah, and my um, experience is, uh, you, you mentioned it very well, that A, sometimes people come to the sessions, like you said, like I was sent, uh, but sometimes they are very ready already. So there is this big gap of coaches also like the preparation of the coaches also a part of the process and uh even in order to find you know meet them where they are uh that finding out where they are is uh is a um is a possibility with technology and then mm. you know we can dive in there uh, much more quicker so i i totally believe those parts of the process would be um very much beneficial with technology. Uh, and I totally agree that, you know, um, that human touch is always a very special uh, thing that will, at least for a long while, as you said, would always be there. Uh, we, we always need that that human to human, always. I think also technology is really, you know, to your point about, um, uh, particularly on the intake, trying to understand the context, you know, yeah. getting getting that intake process set up. Mm -hmm. It allows you to have the humility to say, actually, I'm not the coach for you. Yeah. Um, because having read the context, um, I actually think Oslem would be a better coach for you. Um, mm -hmm. And it's no reflection on you. I, I want the best for you. I want you to get the most yeah. out of coaching. Therefore, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass you across because I know this is this is an area that she's passionate about and will be able to do a better job perhaps than I can. Yeah. So it's really useful um, in, in that in that perspective. I think you make a really good point. Yeah. And um, I'm aware of the time that we're coming quite to the Ooh, end yes. of the time, but maybe <laughs> one more thing that you already mentioned about measuring the results and everything. Yes. So is there any additional thing that uh, I mean besides technology that? Uh, you see organizations do in terms of the measurement, in terms of ROI? You, also, you, you tend to see it through indirect measures, I'd suggest. Yeah. Um, so you'll see conversation and engagement go up. So, so um, you'll see people having the conversation about being coached or coaching others, asking for help. You know, I came, you know, one of the things that's important is, is setting up a supervision or having that, you know, certainly inside an organisation, to have that that conversation that says, oh, I, I came across this or I tried to speak truth to power and I couldn't do it or I was I was shut down and, you know, I was squashed and I feel, you know, my self-compassion's left the building and I don't know what to do, help. Um, <laughs> having that, uh, those, those sorts of conversations, but also... So, so they may be Slack channels and you, know, you can see what's going on in employees, you see levels of engagement, you'll see it come through in terms of performance conversations, uh, in terms of you know, people seeking coaching, 
people being honest and saying, this is what I'm great at. This is what I'd appreciate some coaching and help with because I want to get better at it. Not because someone's told me I'm weak at it, but because yeah. I have the, the intrinsic motivation and self-determination to say, actually, I, I, I do want to get better because, and then whatever the reason they yeah. have to want to, to want to move on. So you'll see it in lots of different ways. You can say things like, we defrayed the cost of using external coaches. Yeah, we didn't spend X on external no. coaches, fine, compared to last year. That's one way of looking at it. To me, that is, I understand the logic of doing that, but that's not the value of coaching. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. value of coaching is in the ripple effects it creates Definitely across the organizations, mm -hmm. but, but equally outside. You know, when you, when you get feedback that says, you know, um, I tried this coaching stuff with my teenage daughter. Mm -hmm. It's life-changing. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you just go, job done <laughs> exactly that, yeah that's that's fantastic and and it's having that mentality of wanting to you know it's partly why i called it the elevate partnership but but for you creating the spark to say how do we you know yeah. all the different views of that how do we help other people become the best version of themselves that they want to be yeah yeah exactly when people ask me what my motivation is for coaching i always say like life is actually easier than most people struggle with. You know, just mm -hmm. if we can just help people to find that ease into life and then enjoy it more. And also achieve mm -hmm. more, yes, on the other side. But like it's that whole totality of like life is much more easier uh, is the main thing, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, before we round up, anything like you'd like to share for, I mean, we have, we might have some business leaders listening to this podcast. We might have some HR people listening to it. Uh, is there any one last uh, tip you'd like to share uh, for oh my anyone who wants to at least embark on a journey of uh, either coaching or uh, sustainable leadership, uh, whichever you choose? Um, so I would say explore and be willing to commit to that. Um, if you do that and nothing else, at least you're opening up the options. And, and it's, it's a collective, um, it's a collective initiative. It's not one department or one person's responsibility. It's a conversation we all need to have. And I would just, you know, if you're willing to create that environment where exploration is allowed, uh, to emerge where it's safe to do that, then I think the results that people are seeking will will follow naturally. Lovely. Yeah, very inspirational as always, Paul. So, <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> thank, you. thank you for, for joining, really. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me, Oslo. So, thank you all for joining us on this episode of the coaching program. Make sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're having your podcasts. If you found this conversation helpful, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or you can simply tell a friend about the show who might benefit from it. Be sure to tune in for our next episode next week, and let's all create more meaningful coaching experiences for everyone. See you all.